0: Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 16 of Sword and Spirit, a podcast by First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. It's been a little bit since the last time we were with you guys, but today we're back covering the doctrine of salvation, so I'll go ahead and pass it off to our host, Pastor Brett, and we'll get this ball rolling. Hey, welcome back to an episode. It's
1: been a while, been a minute. What's up? (laughs) We're excited to be back with you guys, though. That's right. We're here. We are here. Dustin and RJ's in here, our producer of this podcast. We're thankful for him. So today we're going to be talking about... Salvation. Salvation. We could talk about
2: salvation for 395 episodes. That's true. We could probably talk about it for all eternity and just be like, Hey, Jesus, what's up, man? Let's talk about salvation again for the hundredth time.
1: So... Uh, we're going to try to cover it in one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, since we need to go quickly, let's first think about salvation. Why do we need salvation, right? Mm. What is the issue? What's What's the big deal? You know, why do we need salvation? And so, uh, Dustin, what, what would the Bible
2: tell us? Well, first, the Bible would tell us that we have a huge problem. And uh, just to be honest. It's our sin. It's that God is righteous. He's perfect. He has this uh, righteous demand and we can't meet it. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah four six says that even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. Everything we do to try to bail ourselves out of sin, it never takes away the problem. It's like saying, yeah, sure, I robbed a bank, but look at all the good things I did with the money. But you know what? In court, you're still guilty of robbing a bank. That's right. And so nothing can ever bail us out of the sin that we've found ourselves in. And sin, I mean, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says that it separates us from God. Uh, Romans 10, I mean, Romans 3, 10 through 18 and 23 says that no one is righteous, and it says that all of us have sinned. Jeremiah seventeen nine says that even our hearts are... Are deceitful right. above all else,
1: deceitful and wicked. Nothing That's right. Good in it.
2: That's right. There's nothing good in us. John three eighteen and John three thirty six say that uh, those who don't believe in the Lord, they're condemned already, and they're going to face God's wrath. And so we have a huge problem. Big problem. Big trouble. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So it wouldn't be a big deal if God wasn't, you know, just anybody, but He is the Lord. That's right. This is His universe. He's yep. the one that pays the taxes on the universe to That's himself. Right. And yeah. he's holy and completely different than us. That's right. So, you know, it's a shame that the Lord didn't do anything about this problem. Just kidding. Just kidding. That's right. What's the solution? God's solution? We know it well. Uh, let's start with, uh, by the way, this plan was in motion before our loss began. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so... God had decided a long time ago to do something about it. That's right. Way before us. Adam and Eve messed everything exactly. up in the garden.
2: And so what did he do? Well, he sent Jesus. You know, we've we've all heard, uh hopefully if you're listening to our podcast, you've heard the gospel. If not, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, that God sent his son who came to to earth, he died on a cross for our sins in our place. We call that atonement. Not only that, but he rose again and he defeated death in the grave. And so Christ's atonement, just some vocabulary here that you might want to know, and some verses you might want to look up, is He reconciled us, and He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, we had left God behind. There was a problem in our relationship, like a friendship, that needs to be reconciled. It was broken, and Jesus reached out and through the gospel reconciles us. Also in Mark 10, 45, we find out that Jesus ransomed us that we were in captivity to sin and to Satan, and Jesus came and he ransomed us from that. Uh, in Luke 19.10, we find out that he has saved us. We were in danger, and Jesus saved us. We were on a sinking ship, mm. and Jesus came, and he pulled us out of it. Amen. In John one twenty nine, it says that he took away sin. Sin was our problem, and now it's gone. As far as the east is from the west, our sins have been taken away from us. And there are some other pictures we have of salvation
0: They don't quite
2: appeal to the atonement, but there are some great pictures. That's right.
1: And that plays out in art, right, in our
2: culture? Sure, sure. Like songs we sing? Yeah, songs about freedom and redemption, adoption. I mean, there are all kinds of beautiful pictures out there, you'll find it a a lot in worship music. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Okay, so Christ's atonement, we've learned a little bit about it. Uh substitutionary, what does that mean? It's substitutionary. That simply means that Jesus took our place. Uh Hebrews 4.15 says that uh Jesus came and was tempted like us, but he didn't have sin. Second Corinthians five twenty-one says that he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. And so Jesus took our sin and our problems on himself. He was a substitute. Which then brings us to the other aspect of his atonement. Not only was it substitutionary, but it was penal. This means that he took the penalty on himself. Leviticus 17.11, this is a passage that we don't like to talk about a lot in churches, but it says that blood is life, hmm. and blood is given for atonement. And we see this back in Leviticus. It's talking about uh, the sacrifice of sheeps and goats and oxen and all these things that are used to uh, make atonement for the people of Israel. Make them right before the Lord, uh, which is just a picture looking forward to Jesus and powerful symbolism there that we deserve death, but God doesn't give it to us. Life is in the blood. That's right. And so Jesus, he died for us. In Romans 5, 8, we see that he died for us. In Hebrews nine twenty two, we find out there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus, in this is love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we see this same picture in 1 Corinthians 5, 3, uh, that Christ has died for our sin. In Matthew twenty six twenty eight, we see that as Jesus is doing the Lord's Supper, He says this is the blood of the covenant for forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus' death on the cross took our penalty. Uh, he died in our place. He died for our sin, and He died to grant us forgiveness for all the mistakes that we have made. And so in all those ways, Jesus took the penalty for us and Took all of our sin away from us. And so, so we are atoned for.
1: So maybe you're hearing this for the first time. Has the blood been applied to your account? That's right. And th- you know, that doesn't not ask you the question, do you go to church? You know, did you grow up in a good home? Who's your Baptist friend? You know, has the blood been applied to your account? And if not, then now'd be a great time to pull over in your car. And get that right. Right. Absolutely. Now is a great time to repent of a lifestyle of sins and put your faith and hope in the gospel and in the solution that God made for us and for our sin. There's a powerful song that illustrates this. That I it dropped Saturday and uh on YouTube. And this song is by Charity Gale. And the title of it is Thank You Jesus for the Blood. Mm. And it is Probably I know this is exaggeration, but I'm am I'm gonna stand by it. One of the greatest songs I've ever heard. Yeah. And it talks it talks about this. It talks about the blood and the blood being applied to our lives. And yeah. it's just a powerful picture of the gospel. So I'll say one more time. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. You are looking for some music. Um we're not sponsored by Charity Gale. We don't get a dime <laughs> of that. But just letting you know, it will encourage your heart. Okay. Next transition.
2: Aspects of salvation. Uh yeah, but before we talk about the, the aspects, let's talk about the fact that Jesus is uh the only way. This is a huge deal that you know Christ not only is he our atonement, but he is absolutely the only way for us to get atonement. Wait a second. I th- I thought some people read on the internet that there's a lot of ways. Oh yeah. No? That's what our society would have oh. us believe. In fact, some popular views out there are uh universalism, that is that no matter which way you try, you're going to get there. Another popular view among Christians who are just scared of the fact that hell is real is inclusivism, that sure, it's not any way that can get you there, but Jesus is the only way, just everyone is included in this. Not, of course, we as Baptists are particularists, that means that we believe that only those who have received the gift of salvation will, have, or will be in heaven, will have a relationship with God for all of eternity. Mm. And so we need to understand, you know, you can't earn salvation. You can't do enough good works. We already talked about earlier, even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. It's not going to save you. Uh, but Jesus has this gift, and it is given freely. You can find that in Romans 10, 13. This is, is free. You can look in Acts four twelve and John fourteen six and see, though, that Jesus is the only way. It's if we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So it's a free gift. Anybody could get it, but it is the only way, is to receive that gift.
1: That's right. You heard it here. Let's be clear. Jesus is the only way. That's right. That's strong,
2: but that's not us. We didn't come up with that. And we're not saying that out of hate to hate on any other groups out there. We're saying that out of love so that they you can know exactly. before it's too late. If we love people, we will tell them the truth, right? That's right.
1: <clears throat> so aspects of salvation is all about that grace. That's right. All about that grace. Um, unmerited favor, Ephesians 2.8.9, by grace you have been saved through yep. faith. It's not of works. It's exactly. a gift, right? Absolutely. It's that gift that you, we didn't deserve.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: Gravy on top. Yep. But how does it work? How do we get that grace? Well, we've got to take it. Yeah. That causes us to have what? Faith, man. Faith. Receive it. So faith is an interesting word. It's powerful. It really is. Especially...
2: What does uh, faith mean, Dustin? So in the original language, a lot of times for us, we see uh, the verb uh, in the Bible translated believe... That if you believe in something, but really uh, the word in the the verb in Greek is the same thing as the noun faith. But you've never heard anybody in in English sentence say, "Yeah, I, I faith that," or "I faithed that," or "I am faithing that," because that's not a verb. But believe just doesn't come across quite as strong as faith. Faith is this trust, this utter dependence on something, and so. When we say we put our faith in Jesus, now it's not just, yeah, I believe that's true and I've heard the stories and I think that's real. No, it's, I trust it. I depend on it. This is my foundation. And so when we say faith, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like a childlike,
1: childlike faith. It's like you see a little child that's, you know, re- you know, resting in the parent. There's subtle trust there. Oh, yeah. Right. You see a kid jump off. You know, jump off the table to his dad's arms. Right. Total trust. Yep. Like, all or nothing, I'm going all in. If dad doesn't catch me, I'm going to break my face. So, <laughs> but he knows his dad is going to catch you. That's right. That's right. So it's it's not trusting in ourselves. Um, it's putting our faith. It's not, it's really not even the amount of our faith. That's a whole other podcast episode. But it's it's the object of our faith. And he is so faithful. That's right. Right, And he uh, he's worthy of that. So, okay, so grace and faith... Uh, Regeneration is a big word, yes. Right? Regeneration. We, we read about that in John chapter three, uh, when it was uh, the priest who snuck out at night. And what was his name? Nicodemus. Nicodemus. He was. Uh, he was really testing the waters. I think he wanted in, but he was. He was still kind of afraid. But he took that risk. Snuck out at night, right? He could have been found out. He's like, I'm risking it all. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out for myself. Talk to Jesus. And Jesus tells him this crazy line. He says, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, you're going to have to be born again.
2: Born again. And,
1: Man. you know, that was unheard of. Like, And then Jesus explained, you know, we're not talking about the womb. We're talking about spiritually rebirth. Yep, exactly. It's a
2: regeneration. Explain what that is. So basically it's the concept that when you get saved— you put off your old self, and you put on a new self. You're like a whole new creation. In fact, that's exactly how Second Corinthians 5.17 describes it. You're born again. You're a new creation. You're no longer your old person. You're completely brand new. And so that's something we can get excited about, that when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive this unmerited favor, this grace, and we get a whole new, whole fresh start.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of like if you get a lemon... MacBook, and you know, there's not many of those, but they they do exist. We're not sponsored by a Mac either, certainly not. <laughs> but you take that, you send that thing back, right? They clean it up, they put a new hard drive on it, they put new new brain in it, they refurbish that thing. And so when you're born again, that's really not a perfect example, but it's it's when we're born again, I mean, God makes us totally new.
2: Oh yeah, as if we had never seen before. That's right. It's like you took that broke it down old back, and you sent it back, and they said, oh, we can't fix it, but we can send you a brand new one.
1: That's right. Exactly. And so then we get that label, born again. Yep. You know, what? in Asia, um, there's so many flavors, like Dr. Pepper, so many flavors of Christianity out there. And so how we identified when we were in the Philippines is that we would, you know, are you a Christian? Well, sure, everybody's a Christian, right? We're on the sideline, Catholic priests, everybody, oh, sure, but the way you identified those who were legit, had a walk with God, who had repented and believed the gospel, is we would say, Have you been born again? And if they looked at you like a, you know, deer like your headlights, crazy. <laughs> uh, you probably don't know what we're talking about. But for those that had been, the few that we met, they just immediately grinned ear to ear. Yes, born again. Because they understand what that's like when the Lord transformed your life through the gospel. So.
2: If we're going to be born
1: again, what's the first thing we need to do there?
2: Oh, well, we got to repent you know we we hear in mark one fifteen Jesus says repent and believe and Peter says something very similar in acts two thirty eight It's that you know we don't just say, you know I'm going to put my faith in this and then never change it's I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life and you see that in Romans ten nine where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart." that God raised Him from the dead. It's this action of, not only do I believe it, but I believe He's in control now. I used to do these things. It used to be all about me, but now it's all about Him, and He's the one who's in control. We call that repentance. It literally just means to turn, to turn away from who you used to be and to turn to the Lord. And that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean you're going to make all the right decisions now, but it does mean that the desires of your heart have changed, and when you sin, you're going to feel that guilt and want to turn away all over again, over and over and over. Every time you fail, you're going to want to turn back to Jesus, and you're going to know this isn't right. The Holy Spirit is speaking to my conscience and telling me this is not okay, and you're going to want to turn back to the Lord. And so repentance is a great sign of your of your relationship with the Lord, because Sinners, they don't have this desire to turn from their sin. They just stay there.
1: Right, right. Yeah, the man, the righteous man falls down, right? Yep. Seven times and he gets up again. Yep. And so, you know, repentance basically um, is agreeing with God that you're messed up. That's it, right. And, and it lines up with scripture. And so that's the first part, you know, I, I don't know about when you guys came to know the Lord, but for me, the first thing I'm standing there and God kind of been work obviously softening my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd heard the gospel, but I just was standing there and I really, it hit me. Yep. Oh no, I messed up. Yep. Like I haven't just messed up a little bit. Like I'm in deep trouble. Exactly. Like I, I have sinned against Almighty God. That's right, man. And so that was the first thing. So then that led me to. You know, call upon the Lord. And and I knew that the, Jesus was the only one that could save me. Yep. Now, how did I know that? Well, I probably heard the gospel, heard the scripture. But just in that moment, I'm telling you, the sovereign hand of God came into my heart, and I just knew that He was the only one that could save me. And your salvation story uh, may be different. So, you know, we repent, we believe, and there's some things that happens there, you know. Some other aspects of salvation,
2: such as justification, which is in that instant, you're made right. And you're not just—in our society, we think of a courtroom scene where you're either guilty or you're not guilty. But in God's courtroom scene, Mm -hmm. you're either guilty or you're justified. You're right. Yeah. You're made completely righteous. And so, I mean, you can see that all throughout the book of Romans, just a few examples— Romans 3.24, 4.5, 5, all these instances that we are justified, we are made right immediately upon salvation, immediately whenever we're born again. We are made right in the sight of God by the blood of Christ on the cross.
1: Yeah, so if you, if you have a history of major sin, right, which is most of us, uh, some people just get caught, and some people don't. Get, <laughs> some people get caught, some people don't. We're all sinners, right? And compared to the holiness of God, all our sins are really on the same level. When you yeah, think about it, that's because right. Because God's righteousness is so much stronger than ours. So when we're justified, though, that should be a great help to those who struggle with regret and guilt and the enemy, because it really sets you free. That's right, man. If if we would realize, man, I'm completely justified in the eyes of a holy God because that's of right. the gospel. What that allows you to sleep good at night. That yep. allows you to have confidence in who you are in Christ. Not based on what the world says, but, man, God's Word says that I'm justified because of the cross, because of the blood that Jesus spilled for me. Exactly. Okay, sanctification, growing in holiness.
2: Oh, yeah. Very similar, except it takes time. You just constantly are growing more and more in your faith, closer to the Lord. Uh, There's lots of verses about maturity in your Christian walk. uh, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 Colossians one, nine through 10, 2 Timothy two, twenty-one. We want to be growing into maturity to be more like Christ uh, and to to be more holy every single day. The word literally means to just be growing in holiness. And so that's something that takes time in our Christian walk. And so we're saved immediately with justification. And then we are constantly growing in that salvation in sanctification.
1: Um, that means we cannot stay where we are if that's we're going right. to go with the Lord. That's right. Ever. you got to follow the Lord. There's right? going to be fruit. And if there is no Give fruit, emotions. that's yeah. when you start to worry. Yeah. Maybe the problem is the root. Maybe you were never born again. That's right. Or you've drifted so far from the Lord that your uh, conscience is seared. Hmm. So, yeah, so when it comes to time, we can't just stay exactly like we are, do our thing, okay, I accepted the Lord. I'm going to heaven and check out, which is what so many people, it seems, in the American church do, which always makes me wonder okay, was salvation
2: real for that person? Exactly.
1: Right? And I'm not saying that in a judgmental tone. It sounds like a bit, it's a fruit inspecting kind of thing.
2: Exactly. It's out of love because we want people to go and be with Jesus for all eternity. And so we ask them, please check and make sure that you're saved. Because we want to come through the pearly gates and see you there one day.
1: That's right. Exactly. So these are all aspects of salvation, grace, faith, regeneration, repentance, justification, sanctification, and glorification.
2: Ooh, that's a good that's a,
1: one. That's a very good.
2: This is being made perfect or complete. Lots of verses about this. Second Corinthians 4:17, 1 John 3:2, 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 53. Romans eight seventeen. all these verses talk about how someday Christ is going to come back. We're going to be made perfect like Him, and we're going to get to live with Him for all eternity in a new heaven, in a new earth, and everything is going to be just the way God has always intended it. We're going to be glorified. We're going to have a perfect body, and we're going to be with Jesus, and no it's going more, to be all good.
1: No more flesh That's right. to deal with. Exactly.
2: It's going to be good No more eyeglasses It's going to be exciting These eyeglasses
1: Kind of hurt my head With these headphones on No more eyeglasses Yeah No more headphones We'll be able to hear everything Great That's right Perfect High def High def High def def eyesight It's going to be awesome That's right We'll be able to run faster And like the book of Revelation
2: says He who is seated (laughs) on the throne says Behold I am making all things new
1: That's right So if your knees are old You're going to get some new knees Just hang in there a little while longer That's right Okay, so we're saved, right? God's we're, we are the special creation because we are, as humans, made in the image of God. Yep. So, you know, according to God's word, which is the foundation of everything we're talking about here, it's not like we just go to the library book and pull out some random Christian books. Man, this is this is our main textbook. So, the objects of salvation is it just us that are saved, or is other aspects of creation also? the benefit,
2: yeah. Well, that one's a little bit more complicated. It's because we know in Romans chapter eight we're told that all creation groans and waits for Christ's return, and we're told in Second Peter three seven that everything is going to be burned up. Um, but Revelation twenty one tells us there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that should excite us, because it means everything that's left after all the bad and the terrible things of earth are burned up are the good things that God always intended us to have that are going to be redeemed and rejuvenated, and there's going to be new life and a new heaven, a new civilization in which we can dwell, and a new earth that that civilization is located in. And so ultimately, everything in creation is going to be redeemed and made new, but only the people who have received Christ as their Savior and Lord.
1: Yeah. So
2: <clears throat> we've learned
1: what salvation is, and now let's talk quickly uh, about what salvation is not. Yes, absolutely. Salvation is not. Uh, because, uh, you know, you don't struggle with this so much uh, in places that have no Christian influence, but it's more... Um you know the enemy knows scripture as well we talked about that yesterday so there's something such as liberation theology
2: yep that's a big one today
1: and there's many forms of it yes so let's just rattle off a few of them there is um the the is it feminine or women liberation yeah, theology that's right uh there is the Latin American Yep, yep. Um, Liberation theology There is liberation th- theology That started uh, overseas in Europe and in Africa And yep. then specifically to the United States There is black liberation theology
2: And that one is a big deal in our culture today
1: Big deal uh, The founder, one of the leading founders of this is Was Pastor James Cone uh, He wrote a book about black liberation theology And it has been used as a guide, and it has harmed many people and pointed people away from the gospel. And, you know, it's the idea that, uh, you know, black liberation theology leaders admit that their theology is built on hatred for white people, Mm. Uh, but they do not believe that their hatred for white people is racist. And so we believe um, that we all come from one race. Right, we believe yep. that uh, when we gather around the throne one day in our glorified bodies, that we, um, you know, it's not going to matter, and it doesn't matter now, right? We are united in Christ as brothers and sisters, and, and that's not to gloss over injustices that have happened uh, in the past, such as slavery or civil rights or you know those things, but it is very important to us when people claim. Uh, that they have attained salvation when their salvation has nothing to do with uh,
2: the cross. Yeah, nothing to do with atonement.
1: Nothing to do, yeah, with all those things we talked about. It's all to do with a better life on this earth, which is not going to help you when you stand before a holy God. Exactly. Right. So um, here's, here's a quote from James Cone. It says... He writes: At, in, in 1969 I still regard Jesus Christ today as the chief focus of my perspective on God, but not the exclusion of other religious perspectives. God's reality is not bound by one manifestation of the divine in Jesus, but can be found wherever people are being empowered to fight for freedom. Life-giving power for the poor and the oppressed is the primary criterion that we must use to judge the adequacy, of our theology, not abstract concepts. And so, you know, some of this sounds great, but really it is, you know, concerning salvation, Jesus isn't the God and Savior of sinners. He isn't the atoning sacrifice who redeems the world. No, according to people like Pastor James Cone, Jesus is merely the God of the oppressed who uniquely identifies with black people To liberate them from oppressive white people or white devils and antichrist. So, this is just an example um, of some dangerous theology concerning salvation. And it it can drive our life, it can get us off track. And this can happen to any of us, you know, especially, you know, life is hard, right? And some people, life's not fair. And, And some people are born into horrific circumstances. You know, you can say that about people living in the poorest country in the world today. But at the end of the day, all of us have something in common, and it's the fact that we are guilty. Yep. And we need the solution, and the solution is the gospel. Um, so salvation is not liberation theology. Also, salvation is not existential.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, we all we also— essential. Have to remember about liberation theology, salvation, one of the key aspects is that we're forgiven. And you look at the end of the model prayer, and you see that those who do not forgive will also not be forgiven by their Heavenly Father. And so here we see a theology and an interpretation of salvation that says God wants to free those who are in bondage, who are in oppression, which to some extent is true god is a good god and he you know fights for the poor but at the same time he also fights for forgiveness and so when we see people who have you know made their way progressively out of their past bad situations and uh the problems of their family in the past and then they refuse to forgive does that really align itself with a gospel mm. that teaches as one of its main facets that we must forgive others, yeah, because I, we've been forgiven.
1: I think Jesus has something to say about uh, that kind of thinking when the prostitute was about to be stoned. What do you say?
2: That's right. He, he who was without sin cast
1: the first stone. That's right. And, and one at a time, they dropped the stones and walked away because they knew it was right. You know, we talked about uh, yesterday, we're going through the book of Galatians now in our church, and we talked about there's a lot of false gospels, right? There's there's false gospels that are historical. There's some modern false gospels that are Uh, tripping people up, you know, one is the social gospel, which really is uh, a form of socialism mindsets. It it pulls aspects of Christian ethics from the Bible and Christian living and says we should focus on these things so much that we forget about the main doctrines of Christianity, sin, salvation, heaven and hell, the Great Commission. And so it's really a slick tactic by the enemy to get us to get us away from proclaiming the good news of the gospel, getting us away from uh, the meat of God's Word. Um, and, you know, when you think about salvation um, and, and assurance of salvation, because that's the thing. we Assurance of salvation is such a, a big, big thing that, you know, we we dealt with that a few weeks ago, Sunday morning. And we have so many people say, hey, I've been thinking about this. You know, we, we just had our revival meetings. We, people heard the gospel. The spirit of God was moving. And I think a lot of people were sitting there thinking, have I made a decision to follow Christ? Have I put my faith in the gospel? Uh, a famous quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, from – it was based on Hebrews 12.2. But he says, remember, it's not thy hold of Christ that saves thee. It is Christ.'" It's not thy joy in Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not even the faith in Christ, though that be the instrument. It is Christ's blood and merits. Therefore, look not so much to thy hand with which thou art grasping Christ, as to Christ. Look not to thy hope, but to Jesus, the source of thy hope. Look not to thy faith, but to Jesus the author and finisher of thy faith. So let that encourage you. It's it's all Christ. He does the saving. If he if he gave it to us, if we didn't earn our salvation, then we can't lose it. So nothing can pluck us out of his hand. That's right. So I may have jumped the gun there talking about assurance of salvation. Yeah. But uh, I you know you might get busy. a
2: little more of that in our next podcast too.
1: Okay. I definitely <laughs> just jumped the gun.
2: No, it's all good. So We also, you know, salvation is not liberation. Salvation is not existential. That means it's not some metaphor for life. We don't just look at the gospel and say, Oh, man, it's such a beautiful picture of uh, freedom or grace or forgiveness and just pull one aspect out all by its lonesome and say, This should teach us this thing about the way we should live our life. That's not what the gospel is. It's real. Jesus really did come. He really did save us from our sin. Uh, But just a few interesting questions here uh wrapping up salvation the end of our podcast here we got three interesting questions can a person be perfectly sanctified this side of heaven mm. absolutely not absolutely not I would say I the s- same thing
1: I'll be honest first person I thought about was my wife <laughs> I thought maybe and then like, no she definitely a her like she <laughs> she she so but, you know, I, I definitely was thinking, you know, could a person get to be that way eventually? Like, you get in your 80s or 90s, you've been
2: walking the God your whole life, and the truth is, no way, man. Yeah. No way. I think about even Paul. Even the Apostle Paul. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Here he is in prison, not right. knowing if he's going to die or right. not. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says that he doesn't even think he's attained it yet. Mm. And so I think it's safe to go. say, and he says it again in 312, I think it's safe to say that, you know, if Paul couldn't attain it... It wasn't even close. Not even close. None of none of us can. None yeah. of us can be perfect this side of heaven. Some I know some people who probably seem like they're really close, but nobody's perfect. Yeah, and the old pastor says, you know, there
1: was a 91-year-old pastor on his deathbed. He says, you know, I, I realize more and more, the older I get, I realize I haven't even scratched the surface of who God is. That's right. I haven't
2: even scratched the surface of learning how to follow a wall with God. That's right. So... So next interesting question here: If Jesus is the only way, how were the Old Testament believers saved? Mm. Hall of Hall of Faith in Hebrews eleven. That's right. You got to go check that out. That's uh, always a great passage to read. So if you want to go read Hebrews chapter eleven, it, it'll encourage you. But it definitely makes it very clear that while they didn't quite understand what God was going to do, they definitely put their faith in the fact that God would someday save them from their sin. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know all the details or how it was all going to work out, but they just put their faith in the Lord, and it was counted to them as righteousness. They
1: believed. That's right. They trusted.
2: That's right. So very similarly to us, they just didn't have a full picture yet. And then another interesting question here, what happens to the innocent, ignorant, or incapable if they have not put their faith in Jesus? Mm. Dropping bomb questions. Oh yeah, this is a tough one. Well, first I think we know Romans chapter one verses twenty through twenty one says that uh, everyone knows about God. He's revealed by His divine attributes in His creation, and so you know we see again in Romans chapter five verses twelve through twenty one that through Adam sin entered the world, and we all are influenced by this sin. But I would like to point out uh, that that. Passage talks about how we receive uh, an influence to to be sinful, this innate sinful desire within all of us, and it talks about how we receive uh, the consequences of sin. But the guilt of sin is not necessarily talked about in this passage. In fact, if you look in Jeremiah 31 29 and in Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, and uh, there's also some interesting information in that same chapter, verses 25 through 32 you'll see that a man is guilty not of his father's sin or the sins of his forefathers, but he's guilty of his own sin. And while we all have a sinful inclination and we live in a world that is harmed by the consequences of sin, ultimately, it is our own sin that will be held against us, not the sins of our forefathers. Even though we have an inclination that we will probably, in fact, all of us do, eventually sin. But our guilt is against our own sin. And so, uh, what about the ignorant or incapable or the innocent? Well, first of all, nobody's innocent. We already talked about that. Everyone knows God exists, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What about the ignorant? Well, if you look in Ezekiel, you'll see twice there is this story of, of, about the prophet who is symbolically a watchman in his watch post. And if he doesn't warn the city, that responsibility is on him. In the same way, there are people out there who are ignorant of the gospel, who have never heard the gospel. And if they die and go to hell, is that because God didn't tell them? No. It's because we were not obedient with the Great Commission to take the gospel to all nations. That falls on us. That is our failure. Um, But we hear all kinds of stories all the time of God reaching out to people, bridging the gap and making a way, uh, whether that's through some kind of dream or vision or sending a, sending them to a missionary, God still saves people, and that's right. it's important for us to know God's at work every pulling day. people out of the fire every day. And so, what about the incapable, the infant, um, or someone with a mental disability? I think that has to come back to Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-nine. In Ezekiel 18, 1 through 4, a man is only guilty of their own conscience, conscious sin. And so when that child is out there living their life and, you know, they may do some things that we think, oh, look at that toddler, terrible twos. They are just Mm. terrible. But is that their sinful inclination acting on their behalf? Or is that a conscious sin? They know I'm doing wrong. And I think that brings us to what a lot of Baptists call the age of accountability, which is I think different for all people because you're not accountable until you can know that you're accountable of your sin and that's different for every every baby, for every child, it's when they are capable of understanding I've messed up mm-hmm. I think they know they messed up. my
1: mom and dad tells them they messed up, but I don't think they fully understand. Who they send against? Oh yeah, right. So That's right. They know they're in trouble. They know they didn't do right. That's right. They, but they don't know the why. Exactly. So, um, okay, so we've talked, you know, concerning salvation. We've just scratched the surface. It's it's deep and wide. That's we could right. Go all day. So we talked about the problem. Right. God's solution. Uh, we covered that Jesus is the only way. He is our solution. Uh, we talked about aspects of salvation, uh, grace, faith, regeneration. Um, sanctification, repentance, etc. And we talked about what salvation is not. And those intriguing questions were fun. Thanks, Dustin, for bringing those up. And so now uh, that's it for today. For this this episode, we will transition. Our next episode, we will cover God's purpose of grace. So we hope that you have an excellent rest of the week. Thank you for listening today. Uh, God bless you. And we'll see you soon. See you soon.
0: This concludes today's episode of Sword and Spirit. If you like this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our future content. Speaking of future content, in our next episode, we're going to be covering the doctrine of election. So definitely keep an eye out for that when it drops. Also, be sure to check out our website, fbcbsl.org, for more news and information on everything going on in our church. That's all for today. Until next time, bye. Speaking of future content, in our next episode, we're going to be covering the doctrine of election, so you'll definitely want to give that a listen when it drops.